You know, one of the things that seems to happen with frequency in, in our household, at least for certain family members, is that there are things of theirs that just apparently go missing from time to time. They just simply vanish. They just disappear. Do you have people like this in your house who seem to just lose things regularly? Maybe it's you. I don't know. And uh, you, usually when this happens, my first instinct is, you know, go look where you left it. Um, Usually that comes back with, we did. And then, so well, then I go, uh, become a part of the hunt. And again, usually how this works is I walk into the room where I know it is, and there it is sitting on the shelf, and I said, there, it's right there, look for it. And they say, oh, we never saw that. Okay, everything's great. But every once in a while, it doesn't turn out. Every once in a while, the object in question is not in the expected location. And so when that happens, when that happens, I have realized I have two uh, choices. One is just to be frustrated that I'm looking for this item again. The other option is to make a bit of a game out of it and to instead start to be curious, saying, I wonder where this might be. And usually that curiosity actually helps me find the item much better than being frustrated uh, actually does. And let me give you a case in point. That curiosity a couple weeks ago led me to finding a phone in the leg rest of a closed recliner. Nobody knows how it got there. We will never know. It's one of those mysterious things in the world, but we found a phone in the closed leg rest of our recliner. And this little game of trying to be curious and exploring where things might be has reminded me that having a little bit of curiosity can be a really helpful thing. You know, curiosity can inspire us to ask questions that, that lead us to a new way of understanding something. Or curiosity can lead us on a quest where we discover something new or we find something that we'd previously not paid much attention to. Or curiosity can give us a spark of creativity so that we can approach a, a familiar problem in a whole new way. You know, curiosity can help us find things in unexpected places. This morning we are going to continue looking at the Christmas story and we're going to be looking at the Magi from the story of Jesus' birth. Uh, these magi were people who were seekers of knowledge and insight, and they end up going on a journey where they found what they were looking for, but they didn't find it in the place they would have expected, nor was what they found what they expected it to be. But when they found him, they knew that he, Jesus, was what they were looking for. And so for some of us this morning, we might very much identify with the Magi because we feel like in our personalized way, we're in a bit of a spiritual quest of sorts. We are looking for answers, and we might identify with the search that the Magi are, are on. Well, for others of us, let's be honest, we aren't nearly as curious. And in fact, the reality is that there's something off-putting about curiosity because it feels like too much curiosity might upset our lives and we really actually like our lives the way that they are. Everything's right where we want it to be. We understand how, how things are. And as a result, we might find that we are not as open to new things or even new spiritual insights as we could be. And if this is us we might find that we have more in common with King Herod in our text today than the Magi. And that should get our attention because King Herod is the villain in this story. We're going to get to that in a little bit. And so the big idea that we're exploring this morning is that a little bit of curiosity can help us discover God's presence in our lives. A little bit of curiosity can help us discover God's presence in our lives. And we're going to look at, look at the story of the Magi visiting Jesus in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You know, the term magi refers to people who, who came originally from ancient Persia, but then later came from Babylon. Both of these places are located east of Judea, where the area where Jesus was born. And these magi were leading figures of the, of, in their countries who employed a whole variety of skills. They employed diplomatic abilities, uh, scientific abilities, religious, uh, ele- had religious elements to their work. Uh, they were people of influence and who acted as advisors to those who were leading their countries. They were the influencers over the decision makers of their country. And one of the skills that these magi had is what we might call astrology. You know, these were folks who were studying the stars and looking for meaning and insight from what they saw in the heavens. And it's through this study of the stars that something catches their attention that ultimately led them to Jesus. Now, as we read the Christmas story in the Gospel of Matthew, we we see that the magi are the first people to recognize Jesus for who he is. And this is actually interesting, because early Christians had some serious concerns with astrology and magic. But here, in the story of Jesus' birth, we find people who have been called magicians, who are studying astrology, who have used these abilities to find Jesus. And and, and in fact, it it actually seems that God is speaking through these means to reveal Jesus to them. And so one thing that we should think about, one thing that we can keep in our minds is that it is unlikely that this story was fabricated uh, by the early church because why would you make up a story that goes against your values that you actually stand on pretty strongly later? Now, one of the reasons why the Magi would have known about this Jewish hope for a Messiah or the King of the Jews was that there were communities of Jewish people who were scattered across the known world, including in the areas that the Magi would have come from. And so as seekers of knowledge and spiritual insight, it would be natural that the Magi would become aware of this Jewish hope for a Messiah, and it became a part of their spiritual curiosity. Until one night, they see something in their study of the stars that piques their curiosity. They see something in the heavens that stands out as being different, that perhaps has meaning that they want to go check out, that they need to go explore. 
And so we have this group of, of people who are religious, but they're not Jewish, who find, find searching, you know, in their search for answers in the, in the heavens, a sign that leads them on a journey to, to find the king, of, the king of the Jews, that is Jesus. And we need to pause right there because in all of this right now, the story reminds us of this, this fact, that God's presence meets us where we are as we are. And if you were here two weeks ago when we talked about the shepherds, this is the exact same first point that we talked about with the shepherds. You know, it's a repeated for us. God's presence meets us where we are as we are. Now, this story does not, is not about giving us permission to use astrology as a primary way uh, to, to have God speak to us. In fact, the scripture is kind of clear that astrology, fortune-telling, and other such things don't line up with what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it ordinarily means to follow Jesus. But this d- story does illustrate for us how God doesn't wait for us to figure it all out and to get it all right but that we can find him trying to get our attention where we are, as we are, even in places and through uh, means that ordinary people might say, that yeah, God wouldn't be there, God wouldn't do that. And he does this because God has made each of us with tremendous value and worth, and he wants us to know what he thinks of us. And so he comes to us, inviting us to get to know him so that he can share his love with us. And so the story of the Magi reminds us to be open to the possibility that God might be trying to get our attention through the ordinary patterns of our lives, but like the Magi, we have to be paying attention and we have to be curious. Now, assuming that the Magi were coming from the area of Babylon, the journey that they went on was about 1,500 kilometers one way. This trip would have taken months for them to undertake. Uh, It is not a spur-of-the-moment road trip to check out the cool thing in the next town. This would have taken considerable time, uh, effort, resources, and planning to undertake. This This was something that was serious. But the Magi, in their travels, as they set off, they go to the place where logically it would make sense to go looking for a newborn king of the Jews. They go to Jerusalem. But when they get there, they realize that there's something off about their trip. Rather, there's something off about their expectations. See, instead of finding a newborn king, they meet a scary old man named Herod, who is actually the king of the Jews. It's kind of an awkward thing. Hey, we're looking for a newborn king of the Jews. And there's Herod saying, well, that's my title, okay? And after Herod... After Herod takes this in, he then goes to, goes to his own people and he says, hey, tell me more about this. And they dig into this inquiry a little bit and the result is that these magi get a new set of directions and a star reappears and shows them the way to actually find Jesus. And so we have the magi who are looking for a royal baby doted on by a royal court in a royal palace, in the capital city. Reasonable set of expectations. But their journey takes them in a different direction, to a humble home, in a humble village, with a humble family inside who are probably shocked at the fact that this caravan of magi have shown up. And in all of that shifting of expectations, it gives us something to think about here. That curiosity can lead to discovering God's presence in unexpected places. That our curiosity can lead us to discovering God's presence in unexpected places. 
You know, here's the thing. We each come to a conversation uh, about spirituality and, and religion with a list of preconceived ideas, beliefs, and expectations. And let me say that not all of these ideas are, are crazy or ill-informed. In fact, for many of us, they have come, the, uh, come about as a result of years of study, years of real-life experiences and learning. Uh, but the reality is that we have to keep in mind that, that sometimes our expectations, the things that we bring into a conversation about faith, can get in the way of us experiencing what God actually has in store for us. You know, the people in Jesus' day had a, a set of expectations about what the Messiah would be like. And these expectations were based on an understanding of Scripture. It was based on their experiences. It was based on the influence of their culture and other factors. And the result was that they were expecting one thing, but then Jesus shows up and it was different than their expect, expectations. And these differences made it hard for some folks to see Jesus for who he was. You know, for some of us, our, our ideas about who God is and what God is about have been shaped negatively by the ex examples of people in our lives who would call themselves Christians. And so when we think about God, when we think about Jesus, when we think about the church, what comes to mind are, are things that, to be quite honest, we don't want anything to do with. You know, we have this image of God uh, as being someone who is judgmental, anti-science, sexist, maybe slightly racist. He's this being who's obsessed with morality, especially sex and sexuality for some reason. And he doesn't seem to care about the real-life problems that the people around us are, are struggling with. And for some of us, these are some of the things that have become a part of how we approach a conversation about spirituality and specifically Christianity. And to be frank... I wrestle with these things too. And so to those of us who find ourselves maybe being turned, uh, turned off or burnt out by what we've experienced by, I'm going to say, well-meaning religious folks, Jesus says these words. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, in saying these words, I think Jesus is saying to some of us, I get it. I get that some of you are feeling burnt out by the experiences that you had, and maybe you are feeling turned off, on any, turned off from anything that might feel uh, religious. But in these words, Jesus is inviting us to discover who he actually is and what he is actually about. You know, the Magi in our story had their expectations redirected. And you know what? They went with it. They were curious and they wanted to see what they might find, and they went with it. And so for some of us, the invitation to today is to do the same. You know, to allow our expectations to be redirected so that we can discover who Jesus is for ourselves. You know, one of the best things, parts about Christmas this, this year for, for me was on Christmas morning watching the reactions of our kids open, open the gifts that they received. And in particular, I have this memory of our youngest son opening some of his presents and being so just overjoyed that he's jumping up and down and screaming and then running over to give Michelle a hug because Michelle's responsible for the good gifts and just being so excited and his reactions in that moment told us exactly how he really felt. There was no hiding it. It was just coming out of him. 
You know, the Magi's curiosity had taken them on a long journey where they had been expecting one thing only to find something else. And the question is going to be, how would they respond? Well, our passage this morning tells us that they were overjoyed. See, despite the fact that their destination was not where they thought it would be, and and something in them knew that they finally had found what they were looking for. They finally made it to the right place. And this right here reminds us that the responses of our hearts often tell us when we have found God's presence, that there's something inside of us that wells up when we have, that says, yes, that is what I'm looking for. That is what I've been looking for. You know, the, the journey the Magi had gone, had, been on, had gone some unexpected directions, and I'm sure that somewhere along the line, there was some Magi at the back of the, the caravan that said, you know, I think we're lost, or maybe we misread the signs. Maybe we got this one wrong, and there's no way that what we are looking for is actually going to be in a place like Bethlehem. But when they got there and saw Jesus... The reaction tells us that they had found, that they knew that they had found what they had been looking for. And this feeling leads to acts of worship. Now, it's unlikely that they understood that this baby, this young child, was God. Like we understand, you know, like Christian theology holds that Jesus is God. But their curiosity brought them to a point of recognizing that there was something very special about this child. And despite the fact that they didn't understand everything, their worship and their gifts tells us, tells us that they knew enough. Someone pointed out to me this week that if the Magi hadn't been sure about Jesus, that they wouldn't have given the gifts that they brought with them. They would have just taken them home. But when they saw him, they knew that they'd found what they'd been searching for, and they responded accordingly. There's a story uh, from after Jesus' resurrection where, where Jesus, is, Jesus has two friends who are walking to a town uh, called Emmaus, and they're in shock about everything that they just seen happen, and they're trying to make sense of it. While on this journey, Jesus shows up, and he enters into a conversation with these, with these two men, and, he, and in this conversation, he explains to them what had happened, that all of Scripture had pointed to the fact that he was going to die, and that he wasn't just going to stay dead, that he was going to become resurrected. He was going to rise again, and, be, uh, and that they shouldn't have been shocked by this. But as Jesus is talking, they still don't have a, have a sense that this is Jesus standing right beside them until right near the very end. And at which point... There's this moment, this aha moment, where they say, we should have known it was him. Our hearts were burning within us as he talked. In other words, our hearts knew what our minds wouldn't let us believe. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a spirituality or a faith that uses logic or reason. You know, we should be thoughtful. We should be well-reasoned followers of Jesus. The, the Magi, I think, after all, used sci- the signs and the information available to them to find Jesus. But we also need to keep in mind that we are spiritual beings and that there are times uh, responses that, that might defy logic. You know, because we are spiritual beings created by God to know him, we need to be paying attention to those moments where our heart or our souls or whatever we, we, however we describe what's going on in us and the deepest levels of who we are, when something within us says yes. And we need to learn to lean into that like the Magi did. On April 1st, 1976, a man by the name of Ronald Wayne sold his 10% share of the Apple computer company for 
Today, that 10% would be worth approximately $270 billion. If you're like me, when I hear a story like this, my first instinct to think is, man, that person made a big mistake, right? But when I dig into a story like this, what I usually find is I usually find that I begin to understand the decision and why they made the decision that they did. See, at that time, Apple Computers was a startup. And Ronald Wayne had already had a bad business experience, and he wasn't too keen on repeating that experience. And add to that the fact that he realized that he wouldn't be able to keep up with the, the amount of work that would be required for Apple computers to be a success. And so given the information that he had at the time, he made the decision that he did to sell, and that was the correct one given the information that he had at the time for he and his family. And you know what? I think if we can get past uh, missing out on... $270 billion, that might take a little bit, but if we can get past that, we might appreciate why Ronald Wayne did what he did because we might do that same thing and that we might respond the same way. And so let's keep that in mind as we briefly look at King Herod from this story. Herod the Great was the local ruler that the Romans had installed in Judea as a part of their plan to control the people and the re that region. And he was known to be somebody who was power-hungry and cruel. And as much as we might be tempted just to write him off as, a, as the bad guy, and he is the bad guy here, we shouldn't do that because we might just see ourselves in the, reason, in the reasons that caused him to miss out on Jesus. You know, here's the thing. Herod had all the information. He's actually the person in the story that has the most information. You know, he would have been familiar with the Jewish longing for a Messiah uh, that would be sent by God. He would have been familiar with that. And then the Magi show up, and the Magi said, we're looking for the Messiah. He's born. Just tell us where he is. And then he turns, and he looks to his, his religious advisors. He says, tell me more. And they tell him more. They actually tell him where he should be looking for this Messiah. And so the question for Herod would be, what would you do with this information? Would it pique his curiosity, or would it do something else in him? Well, as we look at Herod's reaction, we see that he's disturbed when this news arrives, and, and he uses deceit in a secret meeting with the Magi. And if we were to keep reading, we would read about how he was willing to kill a couple dozen uh, children. And let me just say as an aside, the fact that he, this act against his children is, is, is horrific, but in light of such how bad of a dude Herod is, it barely makes the historical record. He does things that are way worse. And so the question that we might ask is, Herod, why are you responding this way? My, the, the thing that comes to mind as I've looked at this, this the last little bit is to say, it's fear. Herod is responding out of fear. Why is that? Well, fear can cause us to miss out on God's presence, even if it's right in front of us. You know, take a step back for a moment. Just think about how fear has a habit of causing us to miss out on various things. You know, because we're afraid of a risk, we might miss out on an opportunity. We might miss out on making new friends because we're afraid of rejection. We, even in those moments when we are longing for something better, the fear of losing what is familiar can cause us to not explore the possibility of something that might actually be what it is that we're looking for. And what's interesting about Herod's reaction here is that his reaction tells us that in his mind that the, this news that the Magi are bringing to his doorstep might actually be true. Because he senses a threat. 
a threat to his power, a threat to his comfort, a threat to his influence. If this was true, things were going to change. And this fear drives him to respond with deceit and violence. You know, when it comes to our own approach to spirituality and Jesus, we can be like Herod at times and allow our feelings of fear to keep us from experiencing God like he wants us to experience him. And it could be because we are afraid that he's going to disrupt our lives. It could be that, that we find it really scary to acknowledge that we don't have it all figured out and that we might need the help of somebody, you know, some being to come and, and, and give us strength because we don't have what we, what we need. It could be that we're concerned about what other people might think of us if we respond to Jesus or if we become somebody who is religious. What are other people going to think? And so for some of us, we are allowing our fear to stifle our curiosity about what could be if we were to actually explore Jesus. As we wrap up this morning, I, I think it's rather interesting that we don't know what the Magi did when they went home. And we don't know how this experience would have continued with them. Did they convert? We don't know. Or did they just go home and their lives were relatively unchanged, but they had a cool story to tell? Again, we don't know. And as much as it might be nice to have some level of closure on this story, I actually wonder if it's more helpful for us if this story remains unfinished. Because for you and for me, our story is not finished. Our story is ongoing. And the responses that we might have to Jesus that we might be thinking about even this morning may differ. And this lack of an ending actually, I think, invites us to consider how we might respond to Jesus for ourselves. You know, we could choose to do nothing. We might find ourselves saying like, hey, this is a cool story. You guys seem nice, but you know what? This isn't for me right now. And in the process, we suppress our, any sense of curiosity that we might have. And this is one way that we might respond. And if we choose to respond that way, we wouldn't be alone in having that response. Or maybe we might find that we, we give ourselves actually permission to take a first step. You know, maybe Jesus could be for me. Maybe Jesus is that thing or that person that is, I'm sensing is missing in my life, and I, I want to find out more about that. And if that sort of is where you are this morning, I would actually invite you to say it out loud in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's a simple prayer that's sort of like, Jesus, I, I, I don't know what this is, but I want to find out more about it. I want to find out if you're real. Or maybe it's, you know, just nudging somebody sitting beside you and say, I kind of want to see what this is all about. Maybe it's talking to me on your way out this morning, just kind of say, I'm, I think I want to explore a little bit more here. You know, as a church, we want to be no-pressure cheerleaders and supporters of your curiosity, your spiritual curiosity. We'd love to come alongside of you in that, if that's you this morning. For others of us, you know, we've been followers of Jesus for a long time now, but maybe we have allowed our curiosity to dull. That happens in life, doesn't it? But what if we started out this new year allowing ourselves to be curious all over again? to explore Jesus and, and to allow him to reshape our expectations of, of God and what does it mean to follow him and to allow that to, to inform our relationships with others. What if, we, what if we started the new year with a sense of curiosity about what could be? And if you're looking for a place to start, I'm just gonna, I always recommend starting with the book of Matthew because the Sermon on the Mount's in there and I found that so, find that so profound. 
Maybe we read through the book of Matthew over the course of January. And let me say, over the course of January, we're going to be uh, looking at, at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to be exploring prayer uh, using the Lord's Prayer from the Gospel of Matthew over the next five weeks. And so maybe reading through the Gospel of Matthew might fit with that journey that we're going to be on as a church community over the next little bit. But wherever we are coming from, wherever we might be in our spiritual journey, the invitation is the same. As we go into this new year, how will we allow this curiosity to help us discover more about Jesus and, and, and as a result, more about life and what life could be? Let's go into this new year with a sense of curiosity. Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. And Lord, we are grateful for so much that has happened in the last year. Lord, we recognize that you have been present with us in the highs and the lows. And Lord, we ask that you would remind us to celebrate how you have carried us, how you provided for us, how there have been moments of just pure and honest joy that we've experienced this last year. Lord, we also recognize that there's been some hard things about the last year, and we are honestly, some of us are looking forward to a year to come because we want to leave that all behind us. And so, God, as we go into a new year, we are asking that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would give us your comfort and your strength. Lord, that we would sense you being with us. Lord, as we move into this new year, we, uh, it is my prayer for, for myself and for us as a community that we we would find ourselves being curious about what could be with you in our lives. Lord, that we would want to know you, that we would have a desire to experience you, and Lord, in doing that, we would find, we would find rest, we would find peace, we would find joy that just defies, our, uh, defies the circumstances of life that we find ourselves in. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would just lead us well in the year that is to come. Thank you.